Off the ball. Rugby. Well, Connacht, their skill set yeah. under Andy Friend and, and now under Pete Wilkinson and the rest of the coaches there, they were always a good sight to watch and you love to see that ambition. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Club Championship Show on Off The Ball in partnership with AIB, proud sponsor of the Football, Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest. You are very welcome back to the Club Championship Show here with thanks to AIB, the main sponsors of the All-Ireland Club Hurling, Football and Camogie Championships. Plenty to chat about today. The Camogie semi-finals took place last weekend. Darren Kelly is going to be with us a little bit later on. Sarsfield's hoping to win three All-Ireland Club titles in a row. We've got the semi-final lineup now complete in the Hurling Championships following the provincial finals from last weekend. And we've got a host of football. Cora Finn beaten by St. Bridget's in the Connacht Decider. And we've got the last two provincial football finals this coming weekend where we will find out the champions in both Munster and Ulster. With Kilmacook Crokes, the All-Ireland champions safely through after being crowned Leinster champions at Croke Park last weekend. Delighted to say, Ash O'Reilly is here with me. How are you, Ash? I'm good now, Will. How are you? You were busy last weekend. Uh, you got out to three provincial finals in the end. You got to the yeah. double header at Croke Park and you also got to see Bally Gunner. We'll talk about the hurling in a little mm. bit, but Bally Gunner look impressive, don't they? They do. They absolutely do, yeah. It, it was a joy to watch them. Just the, the way they play hurling. They spray the ball around the pitch and... I think the conditions that they're playing in and their first touch is still on. They're still able to catch the ball as cleanly as ever. You know, I often think that's very difficult in such cold conditions because it really was down in Sample Stadium. But yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. And so were Clonlara as well. They really put it up to them. They went for it. So it made it a good game. Look, I know the scoreline was the scoreline and it absolutely was, you know, a flattered Valley Gunner, but they were absolutely worth their win for sure. So, yeah, it was a great game and, yeah, very enjoyable. And it was nice to be back in Semple Stadium as well. Mm, not bad to get Semple Stadium and Crow Park into one yeah. weekend. But uh, the Hyde was the venue for St. Bridget's becoming Connacht Senior Football Champions again, overcoming Cara Finn in the end, one thirteen to two goals and five. Delighted to say that we've got Morris Brosnan from the Irish Examiner with us as well. Morris, how are you getting on? Good, that's it, yourself. Yeah, I mean, I was reading your um, analysis piece and you made a very good point, which is often forgotten about when we're picking player of the game. We instantly go towards the player who has scored the most and naturally you go, they've had the most impact on the game, so therefore they should be player of the game. And that's often the decision that's made. But you've been highlighting not just Brian Stack's performance on Gary Sice at the weekend, which is really important for Bridget's, but also the fact that he has been in incredible form all year. Yeah, and well, it's it's human nature to us the nature of this championship and especially when you're going week to week and game to game or like Ashton there coming three games into one weekend it's very hard to reflect on this stuff and look at it into the minute and you know it, it takes it takes a couple of rewatches to realise the effect of a guy like Brian Stack but his, his form this year has been kind of sensational from the very first day in Casabar when with the horrific weather Mayo played Roscommon went over to Ryan O'Donoghue and kept him scorers from play did the same thing to Shane Walsh a week later they actually lost that game Went into Crow Park on Colin Callahan. I think you can see it, two points off him. Nine Murphy scoreless. Uh, a week later, they played Kildare, Dark Irwin. Dark Irwin caught a mark. I actually, when I went to watch that back, Brian Stack wasn't marking him when he caught the mark, but uh, it's kind of one of those ones that falls in, in the in between. And then obviously against Cork, there was no Brian Hurley. So he went to the biggest danger man, which is Stephen um, Sherlock, and kept him to two points too. So he's just, he's been kind of consistent. He's given the, the most thankless job, which is going to the best opposition uh, attacker the, the absolute danger man and effectively trying to take him out and at the weekend I thought it was uh, it's funny you, know, you watch a game like back like that and Ben O'Carroll gets man of the match and he I mean he was a sensation and he's an absolutely exceptional footballer but 
you after you, you watch it back, you're, I was trying to think, is that is that what won Bridget's the game? If we were to pick out one decisive factor, was it the fact that Ben Ricard got the better of Liam Silk and therefore that was the, the added up to a five-point margin? And it wasn't. It, it, that's not what made the difference in this game. I mean, if you want to go into the real detail, nitty-gritty of it, I think he's got one four from penalties or a freeze. He's got three points off Limsek. Limsek has got a goal off him. One of those points actually wasn't even on Limsek. It was a kind of quick turnover round and Conor Cunningham ended up marking him at the time. But the difference for Bridget was the fact that they dropped off the kick out. They forced Conor Finn to kick into kind of a set defence and then they hit hard. They'd runners from all over. They, you know, Roy Fallon and um, Paul McGrath, two wing backs, I thought were exceptional for that, just driving, taking men on. And at the heart of that defense that was able to swallow all back and then shoot it right back at them was was stacked. So he was he w- it was kind of demonstrative of why Bridges to me won the game. I wonder at this point as well, are we starting to maybe finally respect cornerbacks? Because I was listening to the football pod uh with the lads this week and they were asking both Paddy and James, uh, Tommy was saying, What's the most underrated position on a Gaelic football pitch? And they both picked cornerback, those that had to track them during their own career. And even watching a few games in recent weeks and seeing the job Hugh Lawler and Mikey Butler have been doing in the hurling for O'Loughlin Gales, having a very good man marker who can shut down the danger man on the other team has maybe sometimes been a little bit underappreciated. And it's funny, I, I, sometimes I, I kind of laugh. I remember if you go to look back on last year's championship and nobody's going to tell me it was a, it was a good championship and the quality of football was was particularly progressive. So the immediate thing that when anytime you're analysing a defender or a cornerback, the major thing that would come up is kind of a caveat. Oh, well, they had all the help. They had, look at all the men they had in front of them. The art of defending is dead. One-on-one defending is gone. And then post-COVID 2021, the, that first championship when the, the scoring totals were absolutely booming. And we, it actually kind of kind of it bled into 2022 when we saw the number of goals was the highest since the 80s. Uh, what was the immediate criticism of, oh, the art of defending is dead. Now that they don't have any help anymore, they can't stand up one-on-one. And sometimes this is to do with the, the conditions of a game. You know, it can be very hard to, especially at the time, trying to actually, the, the conditions didn't necessarily suit a cornerback at that stage because we weren't necessarily pleased to steps. We were left in one-on-one isolated space against some of the best forwards we've ever seen. And then on the flip side, when they have the help, the same thing comes again. So and also, it's not... Brightstack wasn't, it's not a one-on-one matchup. And that's why it's hard, going back to your original point about defenders, it's not It's not like you're looking at him specifically and saying, okay, that was the difference. It's his, he's a key cog in a collective. Like it is a collective effort where, to the extent where he might come out, like really clever footwork, stand up a attacker, force him out to right, and then immediately somebody else is coming to get the block in. It's it's them as a unit, how they defend, which is was the reason that they won it, but, which makes it a lot harder. You know, you, you're trying to pick out who exactly was responsible for for that c- collective effort. Whereas when a guy drops a shoulder, takes his man on and puts it over the bar, it's very, very obvious who did the action, who, who you're going to credit for that. And that probably feeds into another reason why they might be slightly underappreciated. Yeah, when I think of Bridget's 10 years ago, I think of something similar. They were very good at collectively defending, being difficult to break down. And then they had star players like Frankie Dolan and Senan Kilbride, who eventually got them to an All-Ireland Championship. This time round as well, like they look a very difficult nut to crack. And Cora Finn have got one of the best. If you take how much talent they've got spread throughout their team, how good Cora Finn are usually at running through the lines. This was an incredibly impressive Bridges defensive performance, not even focusing on one individual, but collectively they defended wonderfully. As a team, I think the, the you know, you, you add in on top of that Canaan and, and Eddie Nolan in midfield who uh, anytime they, they were forced to go along, they were 
more than willing to, to fight for that ball and actually end up doing it really well on uh, Bernie Powers' kickout. Like, put that under a huge amount of pressure. It's part of the, the problem is when you, if you think about what, what was Bridges' game plan at the weekend, and it was, we're going to concede the kickout, we're going to let us tap short. So, and then Carfin are a kicking team. They want to kick the ball, so they move fast. But because when they hit that, they're into the opposition's half, they're looking up and there's a set defence there because that there wasn't that press, you couldn't get out quickly. And Carl Finn are still kicking that ball because that's in their nature. That's the way they want to play. So they're kicking ball into a set defence and Bridges could just swallow that. And then all these powerful runners coming from deep, uh, they're well able to kick the ball on transition if they need to. So they have they had that down to a fine art. And then on top of that, you add in the, like, just these incredible kind of little moments of you know, Roy, a ball, Gary Sice lobs in a ball into the top of the square and Roy Fallon just soars in the air and plucks it out of the sky and uh, just these kind of moments where it was spread, again, go back to your point, it was spread across everybody. And then on the flip side, I think Harfin were, I think they were hamstrung big time, Will, by the nature of their year, which is that I, I, it was all about a Galway title. They wouldn't have been expected to win a county title. Uh, if you go back to the very start, that their first group game this year, they absolutely destroyed Sawtill Nakhtakara. And their best player that day was Jason Leonard, who was kind of a focal point at centre forward. And he went travelling. Ian Burke obviously went travelling. The player who filled in for both of them was Dylan Canney, who was arguably their best player in the group stages. And he, I think he tore his hip flexor uh, practicing freeze before the final league game. So you pull those three out, you're trying to fill those gaps. You've kind of developed a nice style of play that has worked extremely well in the last couple of games. And Bridges just lined them up. They knew exactly. They had their, their homework done. They kind of forced them to adapt. And you saw Kieran Malloy come on at, at half time, and they tried to they tried to adapt, and they just went to Everton. Mm. Mars, can, was sorry. it a was it a case that they just Carafin just didn't show up, or they weren't let allowed play? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, the latter. I think I wouldn't. I don't think it's it's fair to Bridges to say that they didn't turn up, and they were no, no, at the flip side. They were flat. Actually, there's no getting away from that. Even just be away from tactical stuff, just technical stuff, the very first 10 minutes where hopping a ball that probably wasn't on or hand passes going astray, passes going out over the end line. A couple of very weird fouls. The foul count in this game is kind of remarkable. I think uh, Carfin conceded 10 more frees than Bridges did. But you wouldn't, geez, it'd be hard to take issue with any of them. I mean, it was just kind of uh, either a men, players taking on their men and get, getting fouled or just kind of sloppy, like Jack McKay putting an arm around the shoulder or even Liam Silk who... Such a huge loss for Galway last year. Conceded two kind of weird frees that wouldn't be like him. So they were there was something off or right that they just did, maybe didn't come in flat. They didn't expect uh, maybe Bridges to be as good as they were. But on the flip side, a lot of the reason that things went as badly as they did for them was because of what Bridges did. Was how good they were. At, you want to talk about tackling? Their tackling was so distant, especially in the first half. I think they only conceded one. You could argue it was a scoreable free in the entire first half, which was the Gary Sice one from just outside the 45 that ended up dropping short anyway. So they didn't, they didn't concede from that. They were just an incredibly disciplined team. And, uh, you know, five points, it arguably flattered Parfine, you could, you could actually argue. The only thing I would say, though, is that there was a moment, that, I can't believe there's not been more made of this. There was a moment in the second half where it was just, I don't know what happened here. I, I don't know if you saw this on TV, lads. It was an obvious point, an obvious Carfin point, but went over the bar. I mean, I was sitting in the stand alongside um, Frank Roach from the Independent, and the both of us were looking at us like we'd lost our minds. It was so clearly that the ball went over the bar. And for whatever reason, the between the umpire and the linesman and the referee, they all got it wrong. And the, and I think at that stage, Carfin were two down. So suddenly you're thinking, wow, they're, they're about to come back in here. That's going to make a difference. Now, I, I I don't think, if you add it all up, I don't think it would have made a blind bit of difference in the grand scheme of the game. It was just a very weird moment. Uh, it's a lot of things that didn't didn't click for Carfin on the day. Yeah. Those in Kiltoom can put the feet up now for the Christmas, enjoy their conic title and maybe scout what happens in the Munster final this weekend. 
I mean, this is an intriguing one. I was reading Paul Ganey last week who was saying you know, how delighted he is to be around for Dingle this time around as opposed to going away for the summer and the opportunity they now have in a Munster final up against Castlehaven. I suppose the Gaelic grounds has been debated as the venue for this one and whether it was the right place to go. But how do you see this game going on Sunday afternoon? Uh, well, it's not the right place to go. Like, no. There's no there's no getting away from that. Like, it's not, it's, I, I do think as, a, as an association, we're too quick to dismiss the which should be the main priority, which is match going spectators and people from, I think it's, it's a four and a half hour round trip from Dingle to Castlehaven. You're talking about six hours minimum for a round trip for supporters to go to this game. So it's not, I don't think it was, I, I spoke to James McCarthy, the Castlehaven manager in the week, and he said they were more than happy to go to Fitzgerald Stadium. That, that was, they would have been, uh, that would have been perfect for them on, on Saturday afternoon. Apparently not having lights for a TV game was the issue according to him. And that's why we ended up in, in Limerick. Um, it should be said, Dingle, the fact that they played their semi-final there, they actually did an overnighter for that game. They stayed up to I cut the journey and make the most of that. So I presume they do the same this weekend. There's a nice, I, I think it's a lovely final, a great novelty around this to see the, the West Cork versus West Kerry and Castle Evan, who have, I think it's 26 years since they last won a Munster title. Dingle and everything that comes with that would be brilliant. Two really good forward lines. You've got the, the Gainies on one side and you've got the Hurleys, especially Michael Hurley, who has really come into form this year, kind of seems to have found a run of fitness and is absolutely flying. Uh, the two teams that will, I think, match up pretty well. Uh, on your Paul Gainey points, the year he's had is, is kind of remarkable when you consider the fact that he went from you know playing as that extra man in the full forward line for Kerry scoring a, a great goal probably could have had two goals actually in that uh, all Ireland final mm-hmm. and then he goes back to Dingle and suddenly Barry Dan O'Sullivan is goes jumps for a throw in and does his ankle and Lee O'Connor is uh, also injured and Mark O'Connor isn't back yet and Paul Gainey finds himself in midfield in a, in a club championship semi-final and dominating like playing in a, a, a totally new position an absolute tribe and it just goes to show the reliance <laughs> on inter-county players for for a club team so it, I think that two, this could be a really good game I thought last Sunday I thought that kind of final was a great game as well but I think the way these teams match up the way they want to play football their forward lines on display it should have, have all the makings for a good surface which is I suppose is a plus for the venue thing it should all add up to a fairly exciting game Yeah should be really good Morris thanks a million for joining us Thanks lads um, Ashton elsewhere in the football we know the other side of the draw as well so you were watching Chemical Crokes against Nace Kind of one of those funny ones. You have to marvel at Shane Walsh's performance, first of all. And yeah. the goal, the, the build-up towards that goal is just absolutely exquisite. But if you're Nace, you probably feel the scoreline is quite harsh at full time. Oh yeah, that it was seven points. It, it wasn't a seven-point game. And Shane Walsh, as you said, he got one eight in the end. So you almost look at that game. If you didn't watch it and say, okay, man marker on Shane Walsh and <laughs> we'll do a job. But it wasn't the case. Like Paul Mannion was probably kept quiet by his standards as well. And they do have strength and depth throughout the team on the bench as well to come on. But it definitely wasn't a seven-point game, that's for sure. But they've probably been getting better and better game on game. You know, mm. we've seen them struggle even to get out of Dublin this year. And they have really came into their own now and they've had a day in Crow Park. You know, they've got a feel for all of that again. They love being out there. They love that space. And Craig Diaz was back as well for them. He was there in the middle of the field. You could feel his presence straight away. He popped up with a score in that first half. They do really have these, you know, influential players, but at the same time, they all know how to play as a unit. So they, they are, they're a brilliant team. But Nays definitely will feel that the seven points, it wasn't a seven point game. They put it up to them. Their game plan was working. They were putting 13, 14 players back behind the ball. They were breaking a pace, which is a hard thing to do in Crow Park. They were popping up and they were, they were getting the scores, but probably looking back, they'll say, look, a few of them dropped short and there were tired kicks and things like that. So 
um, they'll look back with a probably a bit of hurt but uh, yeah it's Kilmacud they're the reigning All-Ireland champions it's it's hard to beat them Yeah it feels like they're building into the year I think as well for Nace they've got a strong shout to say they're the second best team in Leinster for the last three year period so oh, yeah. they lost to Kilmacud in the final a couple of years ago they lost the quarter final mm-hmm. uh, where they conceded goals last year which was a real problem 314 to 14 points that quarter final and now they've lost a provincial final where they were two points down as that game ticked towards injury time and Wall scores the breakaway goal and that kills the game effectively. So, I don't know. I think um, I'm with you on Kilma Cud. I think it's getting to a point now where they're building into the year. And for so many times over the last two seasons, it's been a case of Paul Mannion wasn't fit. So they had Walsh, but not Mannion necessarily. There's the possibility coming into January, those two are going to be in full flow. And that's going to be very difficult for either Scottson or Glenn to try and stop in a few weeks' time. Oh, well, that's so exciting. Scottstown or Glen, you know, that's going to be a massive game. I know everybody is thinking we'd love to see Kilmacud and Glen. It could well be it, but Scottstown are a brilliant team. I was at the game against Trillock. I seen the one against Cuckoo as well. You know, they are a really, really solid outfit. So, you know, I wouldn't bet against them going all the way and, and winning that Ulster Championship. But yeah, we would we would love to to see the, the Glen and Kilmacud for everything that happened last year. Mm. But either way, I think Kilmacud, this is a massive test to get one of the Ulster teams. You know, we know what the, the Ulster teams possess. You know, defensively, they're solid. They they have the scores as well. And there's a lot on the line from last year as well. So they, they want to get one over if it is Glenn. So, yeah, it, it'll be massive for them. But that'll be the big test to get if, over this. If it is Glenn, you say. <laughs> like you saw the preliminary games and you've been at quarters and semifinals in Ulster in the last few weeks as well. I, I think the feeling really is that Glenn are probably going to come through. It's a tough one. I don't know if I've seen the heights that Glenn have got to last year mm. just yet, but maybe they're going to peak at the right time. Scottstown, they, they, yeah, when they're on it, they're on it. You know, to knock Kilku out, who were flying this year, they were in really good form. It wasn't a case that Kilku weren't at their best. I really thought they were flying this year. Now they didn't put in the best performance against Scottstown, but mm. maybe they weren't let. But you saw them against Derry Gonnelly Harps just before yeah. that, and they were in full flow. They were. And even through the Down Championship, you know, they they won that relatively easy enough compared to other years when they really struggled to, to get out of there because it's so competitive. So yeah, it's it's a it's a hard one to call, but Glenn, maybe for the experience and, and that that they have, but Scottsdale really want to get a, an, an Ulster title. You know, they've heard about all the club men who've did it before them and they said they're sick of listening to all of them and all the, you know, the titles they have. They want one of their own. Um, You feel maybe with Jack McCartney hasn't been firing for them yet, to be honest, but... He's due a big performance. Yeah. yeah, he really is. So if they get everything right on the day, you know, I wouldn't bet against them. It's it's a really, really tight one. I know I'm not uh, giving an answer here. I'm sitting on the fence, as they say. But yeah, I suppose Glenn is hard to beat when they have that experience and the hurt the last year's All-Ireland as well. It's a comfortable fence. Those two provincial <laughs> finals this weekend, by the way, Let It Grounds 4pm for the Ulster final and a 2pm start at the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick, which... As Morris has already alluded to, not ideal for teams from West Kerry and West Cork no. to be uh, going to Limerick. But that's a two o'clock game. Both those matches are on TG Carr this weekend. Uh, switching focus to the hurling. Um, Ballygunner, we kind of touching it off the top, but just some of the stats you look at here um, throughout the championship so far. So that's now three Munster titles in a row. They've now lost the most Munster finals, but also joined won the most Munster <laughs> titles. So it probably speaks to the dominance that they've had. Again, look, they get the goals to go 13 points up and 13 points is the gap at the final whistle as well, despite how well Clonlara played at various different stages during the game. They're miserly, though. Like, they've kept Clonlara there to 17 points. They're keeping other teams to 12 points in provincial games. It's not just the Ballygunner attack. It really feels All like a, a whole system here. Yeah. 
like the athleticism in midfield, how solid they are defensively, and then this flair up front, which is so impressive. Like it's it's rare you get to see that, even at inter county level. They're, where, they remind me of Limerick a lot. Yes, the way they move the ball, yeah. but also they can go in long to the full forward line as well. And they love that long ball because they trust their inside forwards. And why not when you look at the, the full forward line? You know, it's so impressive. And as you said, like Limerick, because they know where each other are, they know the ball that Desi Hutchinson wants. They they know exactly what he's going to do. If he's running out in front of his man, they know, OK, he's going to make space there. They, they just know because they obviously have done it for so long. Mm. Ten Waterford Championships now in a row. It's, it's just incredible what they're doing. They're a joy to watch, to be honest. And... Yeah, they really want to get back there to this to the All Ireland. Everything that happened with the All Ireland semi last year, they want to get back there. But they're going to be a, a hard team to beat because of that flair and they they just they as I said know how to play. And it's not always the the best player on the pitch that like Desi Hutchinson we always talk about. He is brilliant at creating that space and laying it off and assisting. And he did that time and time at the weekend. And Brennan made a very good point at the weekend. And obviously this was a veiled dig at the way that Waterford used him much further out the field. He kind of said, who knew Desi Hutchinson is lethal when you put him near to goal? Yeah. But not just his finishing, as you say, he has been excellent throughout the championship at recycling the ball out to teammates, his runs occupying defenders. He is such a tricky customer. That's it, because people are so aware of him. So they, you know, you're going to mark him. He's a man marker. He's someone that you're, OK, we need to keep him quiet. Mm. But all the assisting that he does is just incredible, really. He could have went for a few good few shots against Clonlara that he said no there's a man in a better position here I think it was their first goal if you watch that back such a team goal came the whole way from defence the whole way up the pitch and just back and forth back and forth and as I said their first touch in those conditions I always just think it's like glue it's like glue and you know not to completely write off Clonlara either really did enjoy watching them and I enjoyed that they just went for it they went out yeah. and they played hurling the hurling that they play and they didn't say to themselves look we'll We'll park the bus and try to be defensive here because how else are we going to beat Ballygunner? You know, I spoke to John Conlon after the game and he said, we just wanted to go for it. This is massive. We're in a Munster final. We never thought we'd, you know, be winning a Clare championship this year because they had struggled in previous years. So it was a massive occasion for them as well. And look, they're against Ballygunner. I think they just appreciated the the skill that was on show too. Yeah, I mean, look, great um, sharing around the score as well. Park Manny, 10 points. Mm-hmm. Kevin Manny gets 1-4. Des Hutchinson 1-1. has got a hand in the other goal. Peter Hogan manned the match with four points. You got to speak as well. I will hear from them now to two of the Manny Burge going to Park and Philip after the game as well at Semple Stadium. Yeah, super. We've had plenty of days here in Turles coming home after being beaten at Munster Finals. So to win one, never mind three in a row, is brilliant. But we're so happy. They're a great day for the club to see all the happy faces out there. It makes it all worthwhile. Absolutely. And Porrick, for you, you know, as a club, as a whole, to be having the success that you're having, 10 Waterford titles in a row, all the success in Munster and hoping to get back to that All-Ireland final, I'm sure. Yeah, look, I suppose when we were young kids, coming up watching the older generation at Ballygunner, we dreamt of doing stuff like this. And, you know, maybe when, we, when we're finished up in a few years' time, we'll look back and say how, how you know incredible it was. But right now we're just trying to, I suppose, make the most of when we're here. And... Obviously, we're going to enjoy it tonight and then obviously get back down to earth fairly quickly and get ready for two weeks. Yeah, what's it like to, to do it together? And obviously, a lot of brothers and families on the team. What's it like to, to do it with one another? Yeah, it's brilliant. But look, it doesn't matter if they're your brothers or your friends. We've been all went to primary school together and we know each other very well. But yeah, look, it's special. But as Porek said, they're the type of things you kind of don't focus on in the moment. You probably look back in years to come and say, yeah, it was brilliant. But we just have to enjoy it tonight. And as Porek said, crack on again for two weeks. What is it about this Ballygunner team, like the skill out there? It's it's at inter-county level, like a lot of people in the press box would, would say that. 
it, it, it is on the next level for a club. What, what is the difference you think for it? Well, look, obviously number one is the coach, and like we have a top quality coach and team there, um, and we have for a number of years. And you know, I suppose the structures in Ballygunner are right from juvenile level are right, and that you know probably uh, plays a big part in it too. The coach and we would get underage and. Obviously, there's a you know very competitive bunch in there then as well. Where obviously you know we have 15 lads there, and there's probably another 20 or 30 lads there that could easily be a part of this panel, and they keep driving things on. So, yeah, that's probably one or two, a couple of the main reasons. And is there hurt there from last year in that All Ireland final? You're hoping to get back there. Yeah, look, every team now at this stage of the year is is trying to get to that stage in, in Crow Park, but we haven't really looked past the, the next game in front of us. We've been on two weeks um, consecutively the last few weeks, and it's no different now for the next day. Bar we have a trophy coming home in the bus. So what will the celebrations be like? You get a few days now to celebrate, or? I don't know, we'll have to see now we're inside in a few minutes. Uh, if you listen in there to the rest of you, might hear. But no, look, we'll definitely enjoy it tonight anyways, and you know, I suppose we, we have a short turnaround, so we'll have to get back down to on, on the training field fairly quickly but as I said look we're trying all our lives for these days so you'd be a fool not to be making the most of it and enjoying it as much as we can. Yeah it's important to enjoy it they don't come around too often and as you said in years gone by you'll look back and you'll say Jesus I wish I did go out and, and party and enjoy it. Yeah look part of the reason you play is to enjoy it after the game so you have to as you said we've been there's, I don't think there's a club in Munster that's lost more Munster finals so to go back and celebrate it with the people from your club is something that you have to do and cherish because these days won't last forever there's been probably teams here before thinking it might but it doesn't you look back at the history of the competition and as a club Bally Gunner can tell, tell you more that more than anyone so we'll enjoy tonight and as Borg said get um, back, to, back on the road again this week Manny's saying all the right things there Ash you know we're yeah. one step at a time a <laughs> couple of weeks till the next game the only thing is bridging that gap is very different for the hurling teams and the football teams so if you're a football team right now you know you're not back out until early January but if you're in the hurling the fixtures came out on uh, Monday evening they already have to focus very quickly after the game the day before because you got to still be at a peak and then you've got a month to fill afterwards. I'm not sure which is better. Maybe it's better if your semi-final played before Christmas, but it means if you're a hurling player, you need to be in the zone for these next two weeks as opposed to any idea of maybe even switching off for a few days and coming back in the new year. Yeah, and that's tough. It's Christmas time. You know, mm. they've had a long year. A lot of them in with the county as well. And even the the club season, you know, if they're not in with the county, they're still with the club training hard. So, it's it's very difficult. I think when you win a provincial title, it's a very special occasion. You should be able to be out and celebrate it with friends and family around Christmas time. And then at the other side of the year, then you're coming into 2024 and you can look to, you know, you're always going to keep yourself right anyway. These these are, they're athletes, you know, they, they know exactly how to look after themselves. So they're not going to go too mental. But mm. I think to have the shackles off a small bit and be able to enjoy their Christmas and then look to the semifinals would be what I'd like anyway but uh, yeah either way they're happy enough they're in All-Ireland semi-finals <laughs> We had Brian Hogan on Off the Ball on Monday as well and what a story a guy who's been on the selection committee the last two years legend of the club ends up taking the job himself had to be convinced a little bit because he's in the middle of doing an MBA he's got a young family he's only in his early 40s decides alright let's try and beat Ballahill Shamrocks one of the best teams of all time and win a Kilkenny Championship they win that in a remarkable style Paddy Deegan for me has been just incredible. Yeah. He scored the winning point in that game. I thought in the semi-final he did a lot of hurling. But again, like we are talking to Morris earlier, you look at the forwards who got the scores and they tend to get man the match. Again, I thought he was a force of nature against Nafina at the weekend. Scored five points. Great final. Mark Bergen, last minute basically getting the free. 
he told I think that we were talking to Paddy about this that he'd missed a free for his school uh, yeah. back at Crow Park years ago almost from exactly the same spot where he hit that winner from uh, so a kind of a little story of redemption in the middle of all that as well and O'Loughlin Gales the new Leinster champions winning 22 points to Nafina's 118 Nafina first time Dublin champions doing so without their best player who's been injured throughout mm-hmm. I think Nafina could be a live option in Leinster again next year so we know that they're going to Navan to play against Cushendall on Sunday week uh, Cushendall beating Slock Neil. This is a bit of a surprise. Uh, Cushendall had kind of got out of jail a little bit against Portaferry, played yeah. very well in extra time, but needed that Neil, late Neil McManus goal to score it. And now they're Ulster champions for the 13th time. And again, McManus leading the score, got eight points in the day. Uh, you had Shea and Eamon Casty scoring goals for Slock Neil, who maybe didn't play as well as they have in some of the finals in recent yeah. years in Ulster. But uh, Cushendall now coming out, uh, they will be dreaming to do what happened with Dunloy last year and get themselves to an All Ireland final have to overcome the Kilkenny champions in a couple of weeks time which is always very difficult I think actually the biggest struggle sometimes is just kind of bridging that gap between Ulster and playing one of the big teams in the semi-final Yeah and we saw what Dunloy did last year you know they'll be probably disappointed to not be in the mix this year but even to get over Schlock Neil it's always the team in Ulster isn't it in, mm. in Camogie and in, in Hurling you know they definitely have that strength and depth there and to get over them will give them such massive momentum now but yeah coming up against O'Loughlin Gales they were they were brilliant, you know. They they're like a Kilkenny team. They never give up, even when Nafina had took the lead. You know, coming near the end of normal time, you know, they just kept the heads. And as you said, that Mark Bergen free in the end. I thought when Curry scored the goal, I that was it. The momentum had gone. Yeah, into they direction. had the momentum. They yeah. definitely did. But at that point, then it was a yeah. They got the score straight off that immediately, and that just shows you the team they are, the character that they have, and yeah, it was it, it meant a lot to them. I'd say they're gonna enjoy this one that is the vibe that I got you know they, they not they couldn't believe they were there they just were like this is amazing this is exactly what we wanted and yeah they're going to be tough tough to beat and having the day out in Crow Park and all of that too you know I think all that's going to stand to you um, is that an advantage I don't know it could be but yeah they, they really were a great team but I haven't got to see a hell of a lot of cushioned all but look we know all about Neil McManus and what he can do and the team as a whole. And as I said, to, to be the Ulster champions, it's it's not easy to beat Loch Neal, So Kept them scoreless for 20 minutes during well, the game as well, which yeah. is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, we've got the Camogie final lineup complete now as well. And Dixborough of Kilkenny, Leinster champions, in Dreamland, through yeah. to an All-Ireland final, uh, beating Loch Eel, who you'd been very impressed by in the All-Ireland final last year, 2-13 to one goal in 10. And we had the Battle of the Sars as well, Sarsfields of Galway against Sarsfields of Cork. And it was the All-Ireland champions, the back-to-back All-Ireland champions who came out on top. Two goals and ten points to one goal and six. To talk about these semi-finals, we got Darren Kelly with us who was on commentary duty with Galway Bay FM last weekend as well. Darren, welcome along to the show. Thank you very much, Will. How are you keeping? Keeping well. If we can talk about the Sarsfields game um, and Sarsfields versus Sarsfields in this case. Again, this is very, very impressive. Um, Siobhan McGraw, we've been talking so much about the important goals that she scored over the last kind of three-year period. Again, very important this time around. Kira Donahue getting a goal as well. And this was a game that was incredibly tight, even at half time, just one point between the sides, seven points to six. So it was maybe that little bit of extra guile from the Galway champions in the second half, was it? 
Yeah, well, I think the experience of Sarsfields probably told an end. Galway Sarsfields, of course, uh, in the game because they got off to a good start. Then Sars and Cork read themselves back into the contest. And as you mentioned there, those two goals in the second half were very, very important. Like Siobhan McGrath's goal there, which got a run from the 45-meter line, burying the ball into the back of the, the net. As good a goal as we've seen from Siobhan McGrath. And she's had many, many good goals as we've all seen over the years. And Clara Dunne, who had a great performance for herself as well, finished off a move that Rachel Murray in particular would have set up when she went on the, on the run too. Overall, regards Sarsfields, would they be uh, overall happy with their performance? Not, but you have to take into account as well that they probably hadn't got a serious test in Galway. They lost a group game to Atten Roy back in September. Since then, they had big wins against St. Thomas's, against Mullia, and a 12-point victory against Ormore Mary in the uh, county final. And that took place back about six weeks previously. So into the side, it was about getting key scores at key times, pretty much at the old she just win the semi-final. They got off to a great start with two points, Clara Dunhu and Claude McGrath. A lot of people worked very, very hard in the game for Sarsfields. Like even on local radio, I think it described it as a perfect, imperfect performance. There's lots of sevens out of tens without that big, big performance as such. But that's what Michael McGrath would have wanted from his team. Get the job done. Their defence worked really, really hard. Now, they know themselves. They gave Sars and Cork three big goal chances at the close of that game. Even though they had a cushion, if one of those that got in it might have been a nervous finish but they'll take an awful lot out of the game Will because it's the test that they needed going into the All-Ireland Final It's remarkable continuity they have over this last kind of four year period or so where they've been so successful because you mentioned Hopper McGrath being there and kind of being the driver behind this team a lot of the players have been around for this run that you've just run off in the mentions there and I was in to Laura Ward who was on with you guys in Galway Bay at the weekend talking about the adventure and how she had the pain of losing out to Kilkenny in Intermediate All-Ireland a few years ago um, a lot of the same names keep popping up along the way. It's uh, probably no great surprise that they have been as successful as they have been in recent years. Well, they were very, very young when they broke through. Like they reached the county final, I think, back in 2012 when they were still, the players we're talking about now were still kids and some of them were underage. But as you mentioned there, from when they won their first county title in 2016, like they won seven now, and they've been in an All Ireland final every time they've gotten now a Galway. Our Drans beat them in the county final one year too. They have that experience. They Any of the, the All Ireland finals that they lost, the two to Slot Neil, the one to Hour of the Ballot, they were close enough as well. They had a slow start against Arnold de Balak in that delayed 2020 final too. And they're a very, very settled team. But saying that too, they have a good squad in place. Like they've missed players every year. Dean McGrath's the standout name out of the team this year. But last year, they didn't have Orla McGrath and Sarah Spellman, for example. But they still managed to have a very, very settled team. Start with Laura Glynn and goal. You mentioned Laura Ward. And one thing as well, Will, I want to say about Laura Ward. She picked up an injury very early in the semi-final against Sarah's. We did not think she was going to make it through the game. Not just did she get time to run it off, even though she came out the field uh, for a bit and Mark Lucy Allen, she thundered into the contest in the second half. In front of her, you've got Maria Cooney. I don't know many times we've talked about Maria Cooney's dominance as centre-back. For years, Galway teams were playing her in attack, which I could never understand why, because from underage, she was a class defender and has proven it since she went back into the back six. Claude McGrath's revelled in midfield, partner and Sarah Spellman. And up front as well, while we talk about, say, Siobhan McGrath and Clara Dunhu and a few other players 
players have mentioned, everybody else contributed, like Quiva Kelly, Shannon Corcoran. They've really settled into the starting team. They got two points apiece on Saturday. Orla McGrath mightn't have scored the last day, but she set up three important scores, including that goal from Siobhan McGrath. And even on the bench there as well, those players have lost their spot, come back in. Cora Kenny has been injured. She came off the bench the last day too. So they're a very, very well-oiled machine, our Sarsfields. Like, they're together now seven years, and they're still very, very young. Like, very few of them have gone past 30. So if they can maintain it, and it's a long season when you take county players into account, if they can maintain it, they're not going to be going away any time over the next couple of years. No, it's particularly long, though, when you consider the championship that was delayed and now the run they've had on these mm. two years as well it's kind of been 12 months on and on and on from January of a couple of years ago so it's a lot of camogie that's been played in a very short period of time for Sarsfields of Cork will the disappointment for them be that they had played well in the last 10 minutes of the first half but then kind of weren't able to kick on in the second yeah, I think that's a fair way of summing it up. Like they got off to a bad start as well. And what you don't want to do in any situation like this, especially when you're coming in as the underdogs or coming up against an experienced team, is to concede a head start. And there were two points still down in the open two minutes, five points to two. Now they rallied into the game. Kate Fennessy didn't start for them. Uh, it was a big blow uh, with injury. You know, she did come off the bench in the second half. And well, one thing was impressive about them is when Siobhan McGrath got that goal on 42 minutes, Sars get back themselves and got the goal through. Kate Fennessy who'd come off the bench as well to bring it back to a three-point ball game but that was the only score they got in the second half they did have a lot of goal chances they did ask questions they did probe Sarsfields they tried to get their matchups right Look, it was their first time there they've been knocking at the door in the Munster Championship they've been consistent in Cork the last couple of years they'll leave with some regrets but they learn an awful lot from the game but realistically speaking if you only get seven scores even this time of the year you're not going to win many matches No um, look Sarsfields have had that experience now of Nolan Park and Crow Park over the last couple of years it's going to be a new feeling for Dixborough when they get there uh, they're on this remar- remarkable run at the moment like what a run to get to a final to beat a St Vincent side who I saw firsthand a few weeks back who looked really impressive when they beat Burr in the Leinster semi-final and now they've overcome a Lock Eel team who pushed Sarsfields all the way in the All-Ireland final last year and this is some run by Dixborough to get to an All-Ireland final yeah, and throwing St. Martin's in the Leinster semi beforehand, and they were up in Crow Park only a couple of years ago. I've been very, very impressed with Dixborough's attitude and the way they conduct themselves, and even looking at some of the players, which we'll talk about in a moment. But even the last day, they were five points down. Now, they got off to a good start with a couple of early scores. They got off to a good start in the second half, got themselves back in the game, and they kicked on very, very well and put in an impressive performance. And that's what they've been doing all year. Like they'd be, I think there was four Kilkenny finals out of five that they've been in. The finally made the breakthrough in Leinster but as you said there Will beating big teams on the way too and stepped up to the challenge and even at half time there like Lockheed and Shamrocks will look back in last year and think they might have left in All-Ireland behind them but they were not favourites even one eight to six points at half time but then Asher McCarthy with two goals the second a great run down the right as well Amy Clifford stepping up with big scores in the match including that one at the end of the game Aoife Prendergast I think she's got 40 points in the last six matches a real leader as is their captain Jen Clifford they're coming they're in Grove Park for the first time as a club team a lot of their players though we've seen them there and Ashley will have uh, talked to them many times uh, in representing Kilkenny like even there this year like you look at Eva Prendergast she captained Kilkenny to an All-Ireland in 2022 even if she didn't start the game she started against Cork this year I think Ashley McCarthy and Jenny Clifford came off the bench you have a couple of other players like Quiva Dowling and Kira Phelan that played in the 2021 Intermediate All-Ireland Final and I haven't even mentioned Lucinda Gahan yet who captained Kilkenny in 2020 
Lottie as well. She's loads of experience. Orla Hanrick back in the team as well. She soldiered for many years as played in Croke Park. And it's players like that that Dixborough will really depend on uh, leading into this All-Ireland final just to deal with the occasion, deal with everything that has to come up to the game. But, and I've been saying it to many people down in Galway as well, Sarsfields will go in as favourites for this game, and rightfully so. They're going for three All-Ireland titles in a row, but you never rule out a Kilkenny team mm. in Grove Park. And we know down in Galway, plenty of experience of that on the club and the inter-county uh, stage over the years. As I mentioned already, Dixburg can start like they started both halves, like they started many of their games uh, this season. They'll put it up to Sarsfields. That's what out of the Ballack did. And granted, they were a more experienced team in that delayed 2020 final. You need to put Sarsfields on the back foot. Sars and Cork na- last week never really put Sarsfields on the back foot, even if they ask questions. But Dixborough are capable of depriving us. The club players that don't have that Croke Park experience, if Brian doesn't get them and they get off to a good start, They'll, they'll be contenders in this game, but they need that start. That's key for them. They do not want to be chasing Sarsfields for 60 minutes in Crow Park. No, I don't think you can afford to go five points down like they did at the weekend in Ashburn. But the flip side to that is, like, what a response to make early in the second half. Because if you're looking for a response, you put in 1-1 one, one without reply at the start of the second half. Next thing is back to a more manageable uh, scoreline at that stage. So like that shows a lot of grit and determination from a team to come out firing like that. Yeah, and the attitude as well, as I mentioned too, like you know, five points down, first ever All-Ireland semi-final, it's against the team that were runners-up last year. It's very easy to let it go, but like it's great to see there with Donald Carroll and his team that they really trust each other. They're a very settled side as well. 14 of, of the 15 have started every game since their Kilkenny quarter-final as well, and they just backed themselves as well, getting the scores when they came, and when they got the first goal from Asha McCarney, they were right back in the contest at the three-quarter stage. It was all to play for. Now, in fairness, it was still all to play for in the closing stages. They got Late one one to gloss up the scoreboard and Lockheed missed a couple of frees that might well have forced extra time in that game. But they got themselves back in it again. And what you're looking for a team is always starting well, shaking it off. That's what Dixburg did the last day. That's why they got themselves back in the game and eventually won it. Yeah, for Dixburg, it feels like they're a team that are playing with a lot of confidence, Darren. They not that a team like that hasn't been involved in this before, you know, in the, the All Ireland series. But then I look at Sarsfields and I think are they getting better and better year on year? And are they actually in a better place than they were last year? I don't know how you feel. Are they playing better, Camogie, than ever before? And they're playing as good as ever before, Ashley, and I think it's the fairest way of putting it. Like, it starts with now, they're a team with plenty of experience, and they've used that on occasions when they've had to, including last Saturday, when they were being put under pressure. They found the answers to get points, even two points at the start of the second half from Clara Dunhu and Quiva Kelly, just to keep themselves in front the whole time. It's look, with Sarsfields, they'll be looking at the matchups around the field. We've talked about the strength down the middle at the moment when you say start with uh, Laura Clinton. Award Maria Cooney, then up front Orla and Siobhan McGrath. You know, they've good players flanking them at the end, and they're some of the matchups that Dixborough have to win. And like, <laughs> guessing matchups at the moment might be a, a challenge there as well. But Dixborough have players that can ask an awful lot of questions. Even looking here in front of me, like, you know, Tara Clifford and Quiva Dowling, can they handle the two McGraths? Uh, Amy Clifford was moved back to the 40 now. I think he started the season at full forward. Orla Hanrick back in the team there as well. You know, they'll, they'll Gain those matchups, and they're the key matchups to win for Sarsfields. You know, they've been very, very consistent over the years. Um, they're playing with that short assuredness about themselves at the moment, 
or as I mentioned, they can be got. Like I mentioned that when I beat them in the county championship this year, but they've responded as well. And they know what they have to do. They've been through this before. It's their fifth final in a row, seven final in total. You know, they'll they'll go in very, very confident. But Dixborough, again, if they can continue displaying that belief in themselves that they've been doing all year, it's, they're going to be cl- close enough. But like Sarsfields, yeah, you're going to have to play well to beat them. Yeah, the Kilkenny against Galway rivalry renewed in a couple of weeks' time. Darren, thanks a million for joining us on the show. Will Ashley, an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Darren. So, it is nicely set up for this weekend. We've got two football finals to look forward to, which will complete the brackets now for the football semi-finals. We've all our hurling uh, champions in place, so uh, they can look forward to the semi-finals in two weeks' time, along with the Camogie finals. It's going to be ladies' final weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So, a busy period to come here in the club championship show. Uh, we're going to be talking to some of the players that are going to be involved in both those hurling semi-finals and in the Camogie finals next week. Uh, you can podcast the show if you missed any of it, of course, on the OTB GAA podcast feed, wherever you pick up your podcasts. The Club Championship Show here is brought to you with AIB. They are the main sponsors of the All-Ireland Club, Hurling, Football and Camogie Championships. And check out the hashtag, the toughest, throughout the championship as well. We'll speak to you next week. The Club Championship Show on Off The Ball in partnership with AIB, proud sponsor of the Football, Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest.